0: All right, KISS Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting.
1: Hello, welcome to your podcast. This is Gary Schaller. And I'm Ken Mills. And we have a great show for you this month. We're going to be looking back on the life of Eric Carr You know It's hard to do an Eric Carr retrospective show because there's so much to say and so much to cover. So I want to put out there that this is not the only Eric Carr show that we plan to do. Um, This is an Eric Carr show. We can't cover it all in one episode. So we're just going to do a lot this time and hopefully a lot next time.
2: Coming up on today's show is Greg Prado, author of The Eric Carr Story, which recently came out.
1: Great book from what I'm hearing. I'm looking forward to reading it myself.
2: We also have Mr. Bruce Kulick, who gave us a little bit of his thoughts on Eric Carr, his life, and working with him.
1: And last but not least, we also have an interview, an exclusive podcast interview you won't hear anywhere else, with Loretta Caravello, who is, of course, the late, great Eric Carr's sister.
2: And we've been wanting to have her on since pretty much show one, so it's nice to see that finally happen.
1: We've got a lot coming up in 2011, so thanks for hanging with us. And we hope you enjoy this show as we celebrate the life and times of Eric Carr. Gary, we've got a pretty special show that we'd like to put together soon, and it's going to involve you, the listeners, a listener mailbag show. Absolutely. We're going to be asking podcast listeners to contribute their thoughts and feedback on the show, on KISS, on the history of this band and the various people who've been in the band. And and we want to make sure we find out what you think and what you want to hear. So give us your feedback. Drop us a line at podcast, P-O-D-K-I-S-S-T, at gmail.com. That is,
2: again, podcast at gmail.com. If you folks have a question about who played what, where, and when, this is your chance to find out.
1: Ken, I was growing up in the 80s, and I became a KISS fan right after Eric Carr joined, um, and didn't get a chance to see them until, sadly, he had already passed. Uh, My first KISS concert was in 1992, um, so you not only got a chance to see Eric Carr live, but you also got to meet the man in person. Any thoughts? Eric Carr brought a new life to the band, and he, he kind of came in at
2: a bad time when they were at the their their least popular era, if you will. He, he kind of brought a new life back into them, and I'm glad that he did. One thing that always bothers me is every once in a while on the message boards you'll read about how Eric's drums sounded, but if you weren't there... You didn't experience it. it was like uh, someone hitting your chest with a sledgehammer. It was an amazing sound.
1: That's the sense I get from any, anyone who's uh, seen them live, you know, or who saw them live at that time was just kind of you had to be there. I miss 80s Kiss. It was always fun. Yeah, and it was always happening. I mean, you know, uh, one thing about 80s Kiss is you got the sense that they were there was always something cooking up, you know, whether it was a new music video or uh, a home video, a new album, a new concert, and you know they definitely uh, changed up the the look and the, the 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 stage a lot. It was a really fun time to grow up as a Kiss fan. I, I'll say that. And Eric Carr was a huge part of that. Um, you know he became the constant. You know because there was a lot of uh, flux in terms of the guitar players for a while there, but Eric Carr was was you know one of the three very consistent elements in the Kiss. Uh, band
2: at uh, which point do you feel like eric was the guy in the band
1: At, at, at which point did that happen for you for me probably creatures and i say that because uh you know for a few reasons one it's it's such a landmark album in terms of uh you know kiss getting back to i don't even want to say getting back to being heavy because they'd never been that heavy before you know the elder kind of had heavy moments and you know the classic kiss material was heavy at times but, you know, Creatures kind of was brutal in ways that none of their other music had been. But having him staring out of that cover with, you know, like staring right at you with those glow-in-the-dark eyes and um, you know, hearing those thunderous drums right from the very, the, you know, sort of the minute that the needle hits the record uh, was, I think, a defining moment in having Eric Carr solidify his place in Kiss. Creatures was also the first uh, Kiss record that I bought new, you know, when it was a, a brand new album, I brought it home from the new release wall on vinyl, and that album cover and the music and everything just kind of blended together, and you had Eric Carr there, a very prominent um, part of it. I, it. It's funny, I actually, um, I remember watching them on Solid Gold doing the song I. And for me, the Elder was a record that kind of slipped under the radar, you know, because it it didn't look like a Kiss record. There wasn't it wasn't a big deal. And I remember waiting for Kiss to release an album that would have I on it because I thought that was such a killer song when I when I saw them do it on uh, Solid Gold. And that was, of course, my first time seeing Eric Carr, uh, you know, playing with Kiss. So when I got Creatures, I remember turning it around and looking for the song I, and of course, it wasn't on there. But um, what about you? What was your at what moment do you feel like Eric Carr was solidified as a part of KISS. I guess for me, it was
2: reading about how the Australians really accepted him, if that makes any weird sense. But uh, there was also moments on The Elder which were great. and uh, But Creatures, is you, you're right on the money where it seemed like Creatures was it. it to, to us, the listeners, it seemed like everybody was rowing the boat in the same direction, whether it was true or how many guitar players played on it or whatever.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. and And I mean, I think... Also, you know, once we got up to lick it up, I remember, you know, seeing that record on the shelf on the new release wall and turning it around um, because I didn't know they'd taken the makeup off. I had no idea. But then I turned that around and I see that it's Gene, Paul and Eric. He's still there, um, very much a a part of it. And a new guitar player also kind of solidified it for me in terms of him being, you know, he was there and it looked like he was there to stay. Can now affect how much you pay for car insurance and can even keep you from getting certain jobs.
0: You're supposed to uh, say like See so you guys don't know the lines Wake yeah, up! Drama. Wake up! Okay, do
3: Hello Australia,
0: this is Gene Simmons of Kiss, and I'd like to introduce you to Paul Stanley of KISS who wants to introduce you to Ace Bailey of KISS. What's the name of the new drummer? Alright, I think his name is uh uh, 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 his name is uh 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 uh, uh, uh. Oh wait, I remember, I remember! His name is Eric Carr and he's incredible. Okay. Now get out of here. Take 456. (laughs) Action! Hello, Australia. This is Gene Simmons of Kiss, and I'd like to introduce you to Paul Stanley of Kiss, who's going to introduce you to Ace Frehley of Kiss, who's going to introduce you to Ace Frehley of Kiss. Who is? This is the car. Okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and two. No, come here. Come here come Action! Come here, come here. Turn around. Look, it's rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now newest member, Eric. Eric Carr. Eric Carr. Let's um, have a hand for him. Eric, how frightening is it to first of all have to audition to be the fourth member of KISS? Seriously. Well, when well, you have tell to you. face these guys, especially Ace. How <laughs> was well, the line that you were going? Come on. <laughs> the, wait, the one, the one the part part is. Part Whatever it is. <laughs> no, actually, I was. Uh, Really, quite positive about the whole thing, and I was really excited. I just went in there, and I knew I was going to do my best, and uh, I really relaxed. The guys were really great to me, uh, they really were.
1: We gave him
0: we we milk cookies, and, <laughs>
1: cookies you know,
0: and a little dog yeah, food. Eric order. was so good. I mean, for the first week, though, he did have to wear diapers. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing diapers That's for the true, first too. week. That's true. Other um, than that, he, 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 he was pretty good. Look, it's rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss, the best. Well, Eric Carr was a a very, very talented musician, drummer, singer. He even played some guitar and bass. Of course, we all know that he was the drummer that could never have enough drums in front of him, you know. But... um, the one thing I regret is that he didn't get to use his voice even more with kids because he really had a wonderful voice. But uh, it was pretty evident how talented he was. And on a personal level, the guy was very, very funny. He loved his fans. He kind of was the first guy I met who was famous that I saw him take a uh, very, very um, serious role in replying to all his fans, handwriting people. I've had fans actually show me stuff that, Eric would mail them, but i I used to see him do it. So I was very impressed with his um, effort to reach the fans and want to spend time with the fans and come down to the lobby after the show and and sign autographs and hang out with them. So he really had a love for the um, relationship he had with his fans, and um, it kind of was a good lesson for me to learn, actually. Um, he's very missed, of course. It's been, been so long now since he passed away, and it was so untimely and so, so crazy to lose uh, someone so talented and, and fun to be with. Because he was my hang in the band, you know, I was closest with him. But I, you know, always try to think of the positive stuff, and that's why I was able to finish that, um, you know, rockology record for him, and then um, do the tale of the tape, which is a video. DVD about his uh, life and everything. And um, you know he was just really, really a, a great guy that was very talented and I'm glad of course he got a chance to change people's lives by being in KiSS for as many years as he was.
5: Hi, this is Greg Prado. I'm the author of the Eric Carr story, and you are listening to the podcast.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, there's a new book called The Eric Carr Story, and it is written by Mr. Greg Prado, who is on the line with us today. Greg, welcome to the podcast.
5: Hey, Ken. How's it going, man?
2: Pretty good. Where is this book available?
5: It is available right now through Lulu.com, and what that is, that is a print-on-demand book company, which means that you go on the site, you can uh, check out a couple of sample chapters from the book, and then if you dig it, you can just click on the buy now uh, button and you can uh, buy it. And it's 19.99, and it's about uh, 300 pages long, and has some cool, uh, rare pictures in it as well.
2: And you got a pretty good, impressive lineup of people that you interviewed for the show: Bob Ezrin, Michael James. James Jackson, Ron Nevison, uh, Eric Carr's sister, Loretta Caravello, uh, his former girlfriend, Carrie Stevens, Bruce Kulick, uh, some music-related friends, uh, Eddie Trunk, Mm -hmm. uh, Dream Theater's Mike Portnoy, the fellow from Anthrax, Charlie Bonetti, and an interview with Bill O'Coin. And he's very near and dear to us here at the podcast and all all of the KISS fans. Strangely enough, this is a, a book that is way overdue in my mind. Um, why do you think someone hasn't maybe focused on Eric Carr
5: before?: uh, you know, it's kind of uh, kind of a difficult question answer. You know, I, I think just as a longtime KiSS fan, Eric's uh, part in the band was definitely a very uh, significant one, because, you know I always felt that he was a huge reason for how the Creatures of the Night album turned out as heavy and great as it did. I think his uh, drum sound was just absolutely fantastic. And just as a fan, you know, I always thought that he was more than just a a replacement member. I always thought he had a great singing voice. Uh, The songs that he helped co-wrote, I always thought, were some of the strongest albums on those somewhat spotty Kiss albums from the 80s. And I just think that, you know, just as a fan, I always wanted to see a little bit more of him on the albums and, you know, singing songs in concert and things like that. So I just always wanted to read his story. It seems like also most of the Kiss books that have been written for the past 15 years they focus primarily on the 70s. They talk a little bit about the 80s, and they pick up pretty much in uh, 96, 97 when the original lineup gets back together in Yeah, I,
2: I believe you're right on the money there, and, yeah, and so. this, is, this is an area that really needs to be addressed. As a matter of fact, you uh, also go a little bit further into the 80s. You were telling me that you have another book mm-hmm. that also has Kiss in it. Can you tell us a little bit about that book and what it's called?
5: Sure, yeah, that book is also available through Lulu. It's called MTV Ruled the World, The Early Years of Music Video. And what that book does, just like the title says, is it focuses from the years 81 through about 87 when the channel first uh, came on the air and you know became such a huge thing. And uh, for that book, I interviewed a lot of uh, heavy metal artists and also rockers and other people from all other different styles of music. And I guess a lot of the heavy metal fans will recognize the names uh, Rob Halford, Joe Elliott, Phil Collin, Geddy Lee, Warren Martini, Bruce Kulick from Kiss, and uh, several other people. Also Pete um, Angelus, who was the director of all those great Van Halen videos from the time. And there is a, a chapter in that book called uh, Kiss Unmasks on um, MTV. Wow, And uh, that one just basically focuses exactly on what the title is that when KISS unmasked on the channel.
2: And it was really strange because a lot of people that uh, maybe only focused on the 70s or, or whatever, they, 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 they might have forgotten how much of a staple KISS was of uh, MTV, particularly the program Dial MTV.
5: Yes, I remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there was at least one video per album, say from Lick It Up through, I guess, like Hot in the Shade. was played regularly on the channel. Like for Lick It Up would be the song Lick It Up, Animal Eyes would be Heavens on Fire, Asylum would be Tears Are Falling, mm-hmm. and Crazy Nights would be Reason to Live. Those were the main videos that were played a lot on the channel, but for some reason never became big, like charting singles.
2: They were basically video hits, not necessarily album hits.
5: Exactly, and in that uh, book... That we was just talking about. Uh, Bruce talks about the making of the Tears Are Falling video, which is pretty cool. And yeah, I think Kiss fans would definitely enjoy that because that Kiss chapter in that book about when they unmask, you get um, you know people talking about you know their memories of watching that and um, you know just like their thoughts on when Kiss took off their makeup. So yeah, you get to hear some pretty cool uh, perspective you know from people like Rob Halford and Joe Elliott and you know people that you wouldn't that that maybe haven't gone on you know record as much as you know just with. Those those types of kiss related uh, topics.
2: As a matter of fact, I think we should listen to a live version of Tears Are Falling right now. Sound good?
5: Yep, sounds perfect.
2: Great version of a very good song. Always good to hear that one live. Could you read us a little bit from your book about MTV, the the chapter on Tears Are Falling, the making of the video?
5: Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is from the book MTV Ruled the World, and this chapter is called Videos Heavy Metal, and in this chapter, it's uh, all people from bands talking about the making of their videos, like Rob Halford talks about the making of the Breaking the Law video, uh, Rudy Sarzo talks about the making of the Quiet Riot mental Health video. And then there's a section for Kiss which with uh, Bruce Kulick and he talks about the making of the Tears Are Falling video. So this is Bruce Kulick's quote. We went to England to shoot the Tears Are Falling video. I always loved being in England. I remember we were using a video director that knew how to do over-the-top stuff. I love the fact that he wanted to feature me and use the solo dramatically, even if it made me do the shower thing, and suddenly I'm doing what looked like a hair commercial. But that was great. Even though we knew it was a one-shot thing, I followed the direction, and I wasn't really that worried about the guitar getting wet, because, hey, I was a rock star, so, so, so we'll deal with the guitar. We'll wipe it down. I dug the set. I thought it was really cool. I was really happy how it came out. I was very proud of the band at that time. I was glad to be a video star. The volcano, I thought, was really funny. Thank God it worked and went off when it was supposed to. Everything just really came together. We went to England because at that time in 85, the dollar was stronger than the pound, so a $100,000 video might only cost $75,000. I like that that they used the girl next door, Pretty Girl, as the female role in the video, not some stripper. And then he keeps on going a little bit further. But that's basically the uh, meat and potatoes of that quote.
2: And again, that's from?
5: That is from MTV Ruled the World, the early years of music video, which you can go on Lulu.com, just do a search for my name, Greg Prado, or do a search for MTV Ruled the World. 500 pages long, this book. Wow. It's a big, big book.
2: (laughs) Would you call yourself a KISS fan, Greg?
5: Absolutely. I've been a KISS fan... Since uh, short, I guess I was in kindergarten, <laughs> which would have been <laughs> would have been 1978. Um, I became a Kiss fan because my friend at the bus stop had Kiss trading cards, and I was pretty um, intrigued by that. So I uh, probably bought a pack uh, shortly thereafter at the uh, deli down at the corner. And uh, my mom was kind enough to buy me the first Kiss album as a kindergarten graduation present. And then wow. My, <laughs> And then my father was kind enough to take me to see Kiss on the Dynasty tour with Judas Priest opening up at Nassau Coliseum in the summer of 79.
2: What a strange double bill. When you think about it, Kiss, Judas Priest, yeah. You know what I mean? But then right. you think about what was going on at the time. Kiss is doing Kiss Go, and right. they're doing this multicolored Disney on Ice kind of production, and right. there's Judas Priest all in leather.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's yeah.
2: kind of a strange. Uh, thing there yeah. uh, and and it's strange that you mentioned those trading cards we had uh, John Humphrey the drummer for see they on recently and uh, Joe Casey who uh, created Ben Ten and and those guys both became fans because of those trading cards.
5: Yeah, it was basically, I guess, Kiss's look that got a lot of the young kids at the time. And then, you know, after you buy the album, I remember the first time I heard the album, it wasn't what I thought, you know, because I wasn't that familiar with, you know, rock music at that point. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, you know, got me on the, uh, you know, road then to getting into pretty like hard rock, you know, bands and things like that. So, yeah, so, I mean, I've been a Kiss fan since then and throughout the years. I caught them a bunch of times. I saw them a couple of times with Eric. I saw them on the Crazy Nights tour and the Hot in the Shade tour. And I saw them again. um Not too long ago. uh, Well, I mean, I guess now it is long ago on the uh, Psycho Circus tour and what was supposed to be the farewell tour with the original lineup. So, yeah. And I've also seen Ace a bunch of times. I saw Ace earlier this year and I think he's as great as ever. So that was cool. And I also had the opportunity to do a face to face interview with Ace last year for Guitarist magazine, which was definitely a highlight of my whole life. (laughs)
2: <laughs> excellent, excellent.
5: Very cool.
2: Um, you know, we we're talking about the Eric Carr story and, yeah. uh, it, it's kind of strange because, you know, I, I asked you earlier why you Thought that the book may not have been written up to this point by someone. One of the things that's missing from the Eric Carr story is he wasn't a a big drug addict. He didn't, Mm. you know, wreck a bunch of cars. He didn't, you know, there there was not the Axl Rose kind of factor. There wasn't that sort of thing. He Mm. was just a generally a really good guy. I mean, everybody that you talk to, that's what you hear.
5: Yep. When I interviewed uh, Eddie Trunk for the book who was a uh, pretty good friend with Derek. that's exactly what he said that he was just a great guy, you know and you know and then it's just basically what everyone else I speak to said that he was just such a great you know giving caring nice guy. They really cared about the fans, really cared about his family, took care of a lot of people, you know was always uh, you know the kiss member that would hang out afterwards in the freezing cold outside hotels to sign everyone's stuff and to, you know talk with the fans. In fact, also Eddie in the book tells a pretty funny story that he would um, go on Eddie's uh, radio show and he'd hang out in the freezing cold outside the um, radio station signing people's uh, stuff and talking to people. And one time this guy who was, I guess, a huge Kiss fan came uh, pulling up in his uh, big truck and didn't see anyone and came up on the lawn and almost hit everybody. <laughs> so that was uh, <laughs> That's definitely one of the more colorful stories in the book.
2: So what can you tell us about Eric Carr that we may not know, something that's in your book?
5: Well, you know, you get different perspectives uh, perspectives of Eric from this book. You know, like you were saying earlier, I interviewed Eric's sister, Loretta, so you get the perspective of what he was like as a brother. I interviewed Carrie Stevens, who was his girlfriend, so you get, you know, the perspective of him as a boyfriend. And then I interviewed him, I interviewed Bruce Kulick, so you get a perspective of him as a bandmate. And then also I was lucky enough to get interviews with a few members of bands, like uh, Charlie Bignante from Anthrax, Mark, Mike Portnoy from Dream Theater, Marky Ramone from The Ramones. Carmine Apathy. So you get a lot of, you know, different viewpoints and different insight into who he was. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of a cool just perspective of his whole life, you know, from yeah, the thing, too, about Eric. I, I know me as a fan that made me relate to him is you saw that he came out of nowhere and was you know able to get into one of the biggest bands in the world. So I guess that maybe showed people that, you know, anything in life is kind of possible if you really just try hard and, you know, you really try to uh, live your dream. So I think that's what also made fans really, you know, admire Eric was that he was kind of just like one of us and he was lucky enough to get in the band and he never really forgot how, you know, I guess because because he came, you know, from a background of repairing stoves and things like that and working crappy jobs. I guess, you know, it was always in the back of his mind how lucky he was to be in Kiss and have this opportunity to be touring the world, you know, and just, you know, having all these fans all over the world and selling millions of albums and playing to thousands of people.
2: The fact that he never forgot where he came from says a lot about him.
5: Yeah, that's I think uh, what's very um, endearing about him, you know. Still, still to this day, with fans, I think is that he never forgot where he came from and never took the fans for granted. And you know, probably always in the back of his mind, knew that it could always just be taken away. So you know, you should really not take anything for granted and really just you know live it to the fullest and really just savor it.
2: Exactly. Um, what was your favorite Eric Carr album?
5: Uh, without a doubt, Creatures of the Night. Um, I was talking a little bit about that before that album still to this day remains one of my favorite kiss uh, albums. I mean, I'm honestly, you know, my, my, my favorite kiss lineup is always going to be the first lineup. And I think that's really the case with everybody. But I think that kiss the, the lineup with, uh, Paul, Gene, Ace, and Eric never, you know, really had the chance to blossom or really show what they could have done. Cause the elder was just kind of like a fumble in my, in my uh, opinion and creatures of the night. Ace didn't really play on, mm-hmm. but, um, but something interesting. Let me just point out with this book, uh, the Eric Carr story. When I interviewed Michael James Jackson, who produced *Creatures*, he actually uh, said that, to his knowledge, Ace did play on a little bit of *Creatures of the Night*, which is something that is not uh, like up till this point. I know people, like in the previous books that you know Gene and Paul put out, they say that Ace didn't play on it at all, but. Michael James Jackson says to his knowledge, he did actually play a little bit on the Creatures of the Night album, which is kind of interesting. Excellent. So, um, yeah, so, um, so I would say definitely the Creatures album because of Eric's John Bonham type sound was just amazing. And I think that album holds up, you know, really as, you know, holds up great compared to even like Destroyer and Rock and Roll Over, which are, you know, two of my favorite Kiss albums. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an album that, um, if it's not, it, 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 I think that's by far the best kiss album that's not the original four members is the creatures then i think that album still holds up great
2: i asked you to pick a couple live tracks as you know we played some demos and, and live uh, recordings on the show could you give us one
5: sure how about uh, black diamond live when eric uh, sang it that would be cool out on
0: the street for a living i be there.
2: Greg, could you tell us a little bit about the photos being used in the book?
5: Yeah, I was able to get some really cool photos, um, and I tried hard to get pictures that uh, were either never published before or photos that have been rarely seen. I'm friends with a really cool uh, photographer. His name is Richard Galbraith, and he um, took so many great pictures from like the 70s up through the 80s of uh, not only Kiss, but like all the great bands like uh, Led Zeppelin, the Ramones, Black Sabbath, the Sex Pistols, um, just about every major rock band from the 70s onward. He's from, I believe, Norman, uh, Oklahoma. You can actually check out some of his uh, photos on his website, which is um, uh, myspace.com slash slash Richard Galbraith. His last name is G-A-L-B-R-A-I-T-H. And he gave me a lot of really great pictures from the uh, Creatures tour that I used in the book. Then also Loretta, who's Eric's sister, gave me a lot of candid pictures from when Eric was growing up, and also a cool picture that Eric took of uh, Vinnie, Paul, and Gene uh, uh, after the Radio City Music Hall uh, show in 1984. And I just got, you know, it's definitely a cool variety of pictures. I got another good uh, few pictures from a photographer named Bev, Bev Davis, or Davies, I forget how to pronounce. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. She had front row on the uh, Animalize tour. She had some really cool pictures, and also uh, Eric's uh, girlfriend Carrie Stevens gave me a lot of cool candid pictures from the last maybe year or two of um, Eric's life. Just you know, them behind the scenes and you know, just that that kind of thing is pretty cool. So yeah, you get a pretty good amount of pictures in this book that you haven't seen before.
2: Very good. Um, You mentioned Bob Ezrin. fascinating man, very talented man, always always brought something interesting to the table, whether it mm-hmm. was something amazing like Destroyer or something just really interesting like music from the Elder. Um, right. could you tell us a little bit more about what all he brought to the table?
5: Bob Ezrin, his uh, track record track record obviously speaks for itself. I mean he besides Kiss he's worked on some of the best Alice Cooper albums of all time and of course The Wall, which is, you know, definitely in my estimation The Greatest Concept album. I mean, I like that even more than Tommy, personally. That's, you know, my favorite. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, he definitely, with Kiss, I think, brought uh, more of, like, a sonic clarity, also more of a focus with their sound, and also, I think, kind of pushed them or dared them to try new things, which, you know, sometimes worked with Destroyer and sometimes didn't with uh, The Elder. But in this book, uh, since it focuses primarily on the um, Eric years with the Kiss story, he talks about the making of The Elder, the recording of it, and something that I think fans are really going to like, he talks about uh what the storyline was for The Elder, which, to the best of my knowledge, has never been talked about before. I know a year or two ago, I was reading Classic Rock magazine, and uh I think it was Kiss answering fans' letters. And um I think Paul was asked what the song Just Just a Boy was about or something, and he even said he had, he had no clue. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> So it's you know pretty cool that now finally someone is going on record saying what that you know is about and you know he talks about also that there was going to be a movie and all those things and also in in this book um, I have a couple of chapters that talk about Kiss prior to uh, when Eric was in the band one chapter is called Kiss a History Lesson 1970 through, through 1976 and the second is Kiss a History Lesson 1977 through 1980 so actually Bob talks a little bit about first meeting Kiss. In seventy six, and even recording uh, destroyer, he talks a bit about.
0: Very
2: good, very good. Uh, you mentioned he talked about the storyline. Can you give us
5: just a little bit of it? I, I'll, I'll read you a little bit of, uh, of that. Yes. Yeah, so when I asked Bob what the storyline, he goes: uh, the storyline of the Elder is there is a. I don't know if you want to call it a race, but there is there are guardians. There are guardians every generation that protect the world from evil, and they are set apart from the rest of humanity. They're angels in a way. And they're there to protect the world from demons. And that in that class of people, they are collect, they are a collective conscious that is timeless and ageless. They are collectively referred to as the elder. And there's this young bo- this young boy who is obviously one of them. And there's the evil genius, Mr. Blackwell, which was an interesting choice of names because Chris Blackwell is a dear friend of mine. <laughs> I don't know how we <laughs> I don't know how we got to that, but I think it was actually Lou Reed that came up with the name Blackwell. And I'll just uh Stop it there, because that's about half of the quote. So uh, for the other half of the quote, I suggest you check out the R Car Story on Lulu.com.
2: There you go. Gene
5: <laughs>
2: Jean, Jean would be proud of you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so who is the most forthcoming about Eric? Who is the one that really brought us into Eric's world? Who Who, who gave that interview?
5: Well, I gotta say, it wasn't just one person. It was a lot of people. You know, you were saying that, um, you know, you're surprised that there was never a book about Eric, and it just seems like maybe a lot of people were just waiting. A lot of the people I spoke to were just waiting for this opportunity because they just unloaded with all great, you know, stories and insights and things I never heard before. You know, Car- Carrie Stevens, his girlfriend, was really great about the final year of his life, which is, you know, kind of a, you know, tough read because, you know, you're reading about, you know, this poor guy who, you know, is just fighting for his life and ultimately loses. And um he also uh you know, there's like several um different insights as to what was going on when at during that year if he was in KISS, if he was out of KISS, what his relationship was with Gene and Paul at that point. See you get different insights, you know, some people saying that, you know, he was in the band, he wasn't in the band, he was on good terms with the band. He wasn't on you know, it's just kind of different viewpoints. So that's, you know, I definitely say Carrie was a good one. Uh Loretta Caravello his uh, sister was really great you know just giving insight as to uh what he was up to around the time that he joined Kiss you know he she was saying how he was really depressed at the time because his life wasn't really you know his uh, career with music wasn't really going anywhere and you know i guess he was just depressed that you know he was thinking that maybe the clock was ticking to to make a career in music that was kind of cool also you know speaking to people like Bob Ezrin just to get stories behind what was going on the sessions for Destroyer, The Elder, and also I asked him about uh, Revenge, and he talked a little bit about that, just to get those types of things. And also just you know, hearing from people like uh, Charlie Bignante and Mike, Mike Portnoy and Marky Ramon, just their recollections of hanging out with uh, Eric just as you know, a peer. That, those are also pretty cool things. So yeah, you get a lot of stories after this. You know, because I'm, I'm familiar with all the Kiss books that have been out there. I pretty much own all of them. So I tried to get things that haven't been talked about, you know, over and over and over again. And although I wasn't able to speak to Gene and Paul for this book, it kind of makes this book unique in a way because all those books that were that are authorized by Kiss, you know, you're getting Gene and Paul's viewpoint of all this stuff. So now you're getting, you know, Bruce Kulick talking a lot about this stuff and all these other people that aren't usually awarded the opportunity to really speak their mind and go on the record. And also uh, Bill um Coin was great to speak to. I was lucky enough to speak with him just like a few months before he passed away, which is, you know, pretty sad.
2: Well, we're going to we're, we're going to discuss that after you okay. play another song. Uh, okay, sure.
5: Pick
2: pick another track for us to listen to.
5: Sure. I know that Eric was really proud of Little Caesar, so if you have a live version of Little Caesar, I know that was played once or twice on the Hot in the Shade tour. That would be cool to play.
2: Okay.
0: We're to something I'm to Let's go. Little Caesar! Little
2: Song choice, sir, Greg. Um, Thanks, Kenneth. We were discussing before the last little break that uh, you also interviewed Bill O'Coyne. Yes, I did. Could you tell us about that and how that went?
5: Yeah, that was, you know, at the time when I spoke to him, I had no idea that he was ill. Um, he wound up passing away from cancer not too long afterwards, maybe just like a month or two. It was very, very close. And uh, he he sounded fine on the phone, you know, it's just, um, you know, it shows, you know, with the, you know, it's just sad, like recently with, you know, Ronnie James Dio and now Bill LaCoin, you, you know, you either hear these people being interviewed or, you know, and they sound like they're fine, but just, you know, things can take a turn, I guess, at like any minute, you know, which is really sad, makes you, you know. Well, it also
2: speaks to their professionalism.
5: Yeah, it's true. Definitely. And, and it also shows you that, you know, you should really just, you know, enjoy life, you know, while you have it. Treasure you know, the that, time you know, now. Exactly, exactly. You should really treasure life. And yeah, he was, he couldn't have been a nicer, sweeter guy. Um, he was very honest, very forthcoming with, um, you know, all info about the 1980 Australia tour, the elder, uh, him parting ways with Kiss, um, He's also very honest about um when Eric was, you know, dying in the hospital, speaking to him, and what, you know, from his point of view, what his relationship was like with Gene, what Eric's re- relationship with Gene and Paul was like at that point. You know, he was, you know, very honest. He didn't have to be as honest as he was because I believe he was in contact with uh, Gene and Paul up till the very end of his life as well. So, you know, he could have just skirt- skated around those issues, but he was very honest with everything. So. Yeah, he definitely uh, gave me a great, great interview for this uh, Eric carboy
2: It's it's so sad about cancer, and you know recently Peter Chris had that uh, bout with uh, breast cancer. And, right. Uh, yes. Just just a reminder to everyone to get checked out. <laughs> Greg, what what can be learned from Eric Carr's life or the Eric Carr story? How how could you sum up his life, and and what lesson could be learned for well, the listeners?
5: Yeah, well, we were just talking about Bill uh, Coin, and I mean, just talking about living life to the to, to to its fullest because you really don't know, you know, tomorrow you could walk outside your front door and get hit by a bus, you know. Mm-hmm. You just never know what's going to happen. I mean, here's this guy who is in one of the biggest rock bands, you know, ever. And he's touring the world, you know, putting out albums that are platinum sellers, and then, you know, pretty much out of out of nowhere, he's stricken with cancer. And you're thinking, like, you know, here's this guy, who, you know, obviously the big rock star, you know, obviously has money in the bank, and all the, you know, cash in the world can't, you know, can't save you sometimes from, you know, your health. You know, it's just, it really just shows you that. You have to uh, just appreciate life, you know, for what it is, you know, but, but, you know, that, that said, you know, Eric Carr, I think definitely did live his, you know, in his years alive, he crammed in as much as possible with just what he experienced and, you know, the albums he played on and the tours and everything. He definitely lived a full life in his, you know, short amount of time, I think. So that's definitely something that you could learn from the uh, Eric Carr storybook.
2: Well, I want to thank you for being on the show, and I just want to say that it's refreshing to find someone who is a serious Kiss fan like yourself, who, who is uh, behind this. Uh, right. There's there's a lot of people that just do, you know, write books or whatever just to make a living, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's very refreshing to find a fellow fan. And, thank you. Um, we would like to have you back on the podcast in the future, maybe as part of a roundtable or whatever, but we look forward to whatever else comes uh, from your pen as far as uh, the hottest band in the land goes. I want to thank you for being on the show, and could you once again mention the, the two current books that you have and where they're available?
5: Sure, yes. The two current books are The Eric Carr Story and also MTV Ruled the World, The Early Years of Music Video. And what you can do is you can go on lulu.com, which is L-U-L-U.com, and you can do a search for either of the book's titles, or you could put my name, Greg Prado, P-R-A-T-O, and you'll find those books. Or if you want to go to my storefront, which is stores.lulu.com slash Greg you'll see all the books I've put out through Lulu, and you can click on the book title and you'll be able to read uh, two full sample chapters from the um, uh from the book. And the two chapters, actually, I'll tell you the two chapters that you could read from the uh, Eric Carr book. That is um, Kiss, a History Lesson, 1973 through 1976, and also a chapter called 1982, which focuses entirely on the Creatures album, which I think people will definitely dig.
2: Well, thank you for being on the show and hope you had a good time, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the future. God bless. Thanks, Ken. passing destroyed us. We, uh, we went to see Eric when he had his first operation and uh, we were joking around with him the night before and the night after in the hospital when they opened him up to... he had a heart operation. And he was kidding around. We had, you know, we had a good time and nobody realized then that it was cancer.
0: It's a nightmare? when you see somebody who's been that close to you and that you've shared so much with dying, you know, and it's a very helpless feeling,
2: all you can do is um,
0: cheer them on and tell them and sincerely tell them that if anybody can beat the odds, you can. Maybe it's selfish because you want them to, not only for them, but because you want them around.
4: I know that, that the only way you can carry on is to celebrate what you do and what you do well, and this band cast the carry on. It's, it's what it's about. Is, it's in our blood to play music, and I know Eric wouldn't want it any other way.
2: drummer Eric Carr died of cancer at age 41 in a New York hospital. Last May, Carr was diagnosed with a heart tumor, which ultimately spread to his lungs. His last public appearance was at the 1991 MTV Video Music Awards in September. Two days later, Carr suffered a brain hemorrhage and had been hospitalized ever since. Carr replaced original Kiss drummer Peter Criss in 1979, and had been recording with Kiss until a few months ago. The band ultimately hired one-time cult drummer Eric Singer to replace Carr.
3: Hello everyone, this is James Hager, and um, as most of you know, I became a fan after Eric Carr had passed away. Um, I became a fan in 98. However, in rediscovering the back catalog, or just discovering the back catalog, rather, um, Eric Carr's drumming really stood out to me. Um, Peter Chris has always been my favorite drummer, but Eric Carr, Peter gets you to the dance, and then it's like Eric Carr kind of pushed you to think outside the box for Kiss a little bit. Um, I remember and those of you bootleg collectors out there that uh, have seen this will know exactly what I'm talking about but the drum solo that Eric Carr does uh, Budokan Hall, uh, 1988 is just absolutely phenomenal the way he takes the drums and the synth pads above his drums and puts them into one beautiful solo Um, I'm a drummer who's not a fan of drum solos but when it comes to Eric Carr and his drum solo that was never the case you never feel bored watching an Eric Carr solo um, Eric Carr was a very important member for KISS. Eric Carr came in and was solid for the band, and was solid for the band right up to the very end. We mourn his death, and we celebrate his legacy. As a KISS fan, but more importantly as a drummer and an Eric Carr fan, I couldn't in good conscience let the show go out without saying, we love you, Eric. Thank you very much for all you did for us.
0: His name is Eric Carr, and he's incredible.
1: Take a trip down to Abner's laboratory. Oh, Abner Devereaux! Sure.
5: Well, this Abner Devereaux. Where can I find him?
0: His workshop's located underneath the Sky Tower.
5: You mean underground?
0: Yeah, way underground. underground.
2: I'll just activate the elevator mechanism. You step inside.
3: Welcome to Abner's Laboratory. Tonight on Abner's Laboratory, we have a very special surprise for you. This is Shandy from Eric Carr's original audition tape he submitted to the band. This contains the band playing Shandy on the Unmasked album and Eric singing along. So without further ado, please enjoy Shandy. Shandy.
0: And out of lies Loving you is killing me inside Every time I find the Another mess I got my
1: So that's part one of this episode, this Eric Carr themed episode of Podcast. Don't forget to check out part two where we return with more interviews, more music, and more Podcast.